0: Then Jesus began to teach the disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day, rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning to his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter, And said, get behind me, Satan, for you're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. And then Jesus called the crowds with his disciples and said to them, let anyone who wants to become my follower deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who wish to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what would anyone give in return for their life? And he said, Those who are ashamed of me and of my word in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his heavenly Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. I've been pretty curious about and captivated a bit by the death of Alexei Navalny, a Russian activist, lawyer, political prisoner who dropped dead in captivity a week or so ago, presumably murdered, right? If what so many believe to be true is true, the bold, brazen way his death came to pass is another terrifying example of who Vladimir Putin is and how his Russian regime operates. I don't know enough to comment on the politics of all of that with any wisdom or detail, so I will not. But Navalny's dedication to his cause and standing up for justice and in the face of oppression up to a power-hungry, president is admirable to me. And I've read a few things from Navalny that indicate much of his work as an activist for justice and against corruption is rooted in his Christian faith. I've read that he was once quite a militant atheist, actually, but that now he's a believer and that his faith has been the source of constant ridicule from many of his friends and his colleagues in the Russian anti-corruption foundation. His faith was also apparently a comfort and an encouragement for his life and for his work in the world. And in light of that kind of faith, it's meaningful to know that Navalny once said, the world is made up not only of good and evil, but also of those who do nothing. And he also said the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing, so don't be inactive. And it seems like Navalny's words and the life they inspired in him got him killed in the end. Which reminded me of something Martin Luther King Jr. said once. There are some things so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. It may be too much and too soon to suggest that Alexei Navalny and Martin Luther King Jr. belong in the same Hall of Martyrs. I don't know. But their passion for justice and their willingness to stand up to the powers around them and the fearlessness with which they seem to live... And their shared faith in Jesus too can't be separated from the words we hear from Jesus this morning. When he teaches the disciples that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering, rejection, and murder. And that if you really want to follow him, you should take up a cross and do the same. I am no Alexei Navalny. Or Mount Luther King Jr., and I'm no Messiah either. But I did see the Indigo Girls in Dayton on Friday night. (laughs) It's meant to sound like that Holiday Inn Express commercial, right? Where you go to Holiday Inn and you're smarter and better for it. I don't think it's true where Holiday Inn is concerned, but I do think it's true where the Indigo Girls are concerned. But I digress. One of their lyrics came to mind in light of this gospel and in light of King's words and in light of Navalny's death. The lyric is, there must be a thousand things you would die for. I can hardly think of two. It's a love song, and it's about one person's awe and admiration for another. So it's not supposed to be about Jesus one bit, but it made me wonder about what Jesus is up to today. There must be a thousand things you would die for. I can hardly think of two. I think today's gospel means to make us wonder just what it is we might be willing to die for. See, Jesus has just come out to his disciples as the Messiah. And he's talking about what that means. The idea that the likely result of his faithfulness to God's call on his life is going to lead to his own rejection, his own suffering, and of course, his own crucifixion and death. He's not saying that you have to die To follow Jesus necessarily. He's just saying that if you're doing it right, if you want to become my followers, you better be ready for the struggle and for the suffering and for the death that could very well come along with that. And Jesus knew that people, especially comfortable, privileged, powerful people, would be suddenly unsettled and afraid and threatened and angry because of all that he was up to. He was about to upset the apple cart of the status quo in every way. The cross about to be foisted upon Jesus comes to him because he's about to come for the rich and for the powerful, and because he's about to raise his voice for the least and for the last, and for the outcast and for the outsider too. Jesus is healing people who should not be healed. Jesus is loving people who shouldn't be loved. He's welcoming people who some would just as soon keep out. He's forgiving sins believed to be utterly unforgivable. Jesus is about to pull no punches, give zero you-know-whats, lay it all on the line, and let the chips fall where they may. And the biggest chip to fall is Jesus himself. And he wants others to know that they're in for that, if they really choose to follow him, if they mean it, and if they do it right. There must be a thousand things you would die for, Jesus. I can hardly think of two. And I wonder if that's what was going through Peter's mind when he tries to stop Jesus. When he tries to quiet him down after saying the quiet part out loud, I mean. Sometimes I think Peter was just worried people would leave the fold if they knew what the risks were. Sometimes I think Peter was just trying to protect Jesus from all that suffering. Sometimes I think Peter just can't believe that this is the kind of Messiah God would be. One that suffers. One that gets crucified. One that gets himself killed and dies. What kind of God is that? But I also wonder if Peter doesn't want Jesus talking this way, promising so much struggle and sacrifice and death, saying the quiet part out loud because Peter wasn't up for all that himself. There must be a thousand things you would die for. I can hardly think of two. And I wonder if we, like Peter, fool ourselves into pretending that following Jesus means Giving up chocolate or beer or Facebook for Lent. Or praying more or reading our Bibles more or showing up for church in worship on Sunday morning. And those things are good, righteous, faithful, and nothing to sneeze at. Don't get me wrong. But they are nothing more and nothing less than tools and faith practices meant to prepare and to move us towards something so much greater. All of our worshiping and our learning and our serving, all of our fasting and our praying and our giving even, are about preparing our hearts and our minds and our lives to be able to recognize and to facilitate the kingdom of God in our midst. Even if that's hard sometimes. All we do in the safety of our homes and with our families and through our life together in our congregation, is meant to reveal the things as they are. Unequal, unfair, unjust for too many, too much of the time. All while knowing about how God would rather have things be. Equitable, fair, merciful, loving. So that we will do something in the name of Jesus to bring the latter the good stuff of God's kingdom, to pass. And again, that can be risky business if and when we do it right. Because people with money, maybe like you and me, don't like to be told we should give it away. People with power, maybe like some of us, Don't like to be told that we should share it, let alone relinquish it. People on top, maybe like you and me, don't like to make room for others or imagine our own place at the bottom. Preaching that could get you run out of town, which is what happened to Jesus. Protesting in the name of that could get you hauled into court. Which happened to Jesus. Teaching that could lose you some friends and get you betrayed, which happened to Jesus. Embodying all of that could get you crucified, killed, and buried, all of which happened to Jesus just exactly like he promised that it would. There must be a thousand things you would die for. I can hardly think of two. And Jesus did. He died so that we might come close to giving more, to loving more, to sacrificing more, to suffering more, even for the sake of others and for the good of the cause of the kingdom. Because even when we fall short, as Jesus knew we would and as God knows we do, the cross never gets the last word, remember? The Son of Man must undergo great suffering, yes, Be rejected? Yes. Be killed? Yes. And on the third day, rise again? Yes. And on the third day, rise again. And that's where we find our hope. To do what God calls us to do. Not many of us are as bold or as brave or as faithful as the likes of Alexei Navalny or Martin Luther King Jr. or Jesus either. We don't all have the courage or the calling or the love within us to sacrifice and suffer and die for the sake of bringing God's kingdom to pass on this side of heaven. No matter how badly the world needs it. So we look to this cross even if we'd never climb up there ourselves. And we look for the empty tomb, too, because we will find ourselves there one day. And we give thanks that even when we don't, God does. Even when we will not, God will. Even when we haven't, God already has. And so we keep following Jesus as nearly, as closely, as faithfully as we're able, testing our own boundaries, pushing our own limits, risking our own comfort, safety, and security, maybe, to see, as Dr. King put it, the eternal truth of God's grace for which Jesus died and lives so that we and the world around us will too. Amen.